Miguel Marshall can see the future. Okay, he can't see the future, but he definitely sees a future, and it's a future he's sort of obsessed with. Miguel's future includes a nice, design-centric place built especially for the cross-border crowd. He wants to call it the cross-border district and have it start right at the border wall. The space at the border has evolved in response to the wall as a transit zone that people enter and exit as fast as possible. But of course, lots of people get stuck in the line here, which is why the space right up against the Mexican side of the wall is packed with tchotchke shops, pharmacies, and other cheap touristy things catering to those trapped in long border waits. For a lot of people, this area is not a particularly pleasant place to be. But Miguel sees the cross-border district as a way to reclaim the border space, transforming it from a congested and militarized zone built for tourists just passing quickly through into a place where people will want to stay and enjoy a while. He wants to smooth out the transition from one side of the border to the other by bringing Tijuana's creative, cosmopolitan culture closer to the wall. And as a young entrepreneur and startup-type guy, Miguel has actually done some things to get closer to the cross-border district he imagines. Just steps away from the port of entry, his development company has built what he considers a pilot project that shows what the cross-border district can look like. Not everything Miguel has done or proposed has worked out, though. In fact, he's been involved with a few failed cross-border projects, some that might have survived had he done them now instead of years ago. Even so, Miguel refuses to wait. We knew that we were early, but we knew that if we weren't early, nothing was going to happen. So we needed to be early. So Miguel keeps plowing ahead. A dreamer turned developer of actual buildings and businesses, he's creating spaces tailor-made for the cross-border future he envisions. And he's not alone in his efforts. I'm Alan Liliental, and you're listening to Only Here, a KPBS podcast about the place where San Diego and Tijuana meet. Today, a story about cross-border builders. Only here can you find entrepreneurs in San Diego and Tijuana who are working to build a bigger and better designed cross-border culture. More after the break. KPBS On Demand is supported by UC San Diego Osher Lifelong Learning Institute, hosting an open house to learn about the upcoming classes and seminars, member benefits, and meet the volunteer leadership team. Saturday, March 30th. Registration at extendedstudies.ucsd.edu slash O-L-L-I. Yeah, so we're in uh, the, 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 the lo- local plaza, open plaza. Uh, here next to us, we have um, Cocopelli Food Trucks. Miguel Marshall is sitting at a table in the middle of the large outdoor patio of Estación Federal, a two-story building his development company bought, remodeled, and filled with sleek Airbnbs, a bar, café, restaurants, an art gallery, and offices. The idea is to to have a movement the entire time in the neighborhood. So, so during the morning we have coffee, during the afternoon we have food, and during the night we have drinks. So, so that sort of brings, exactly, keep the space alive. Mm -hmm. 
The mixed-use building is just steps away from the border fence. Virginia. Walk sign is on the cross. Virginia. Seriously, you can park a few hundred feet away in San Isidro, walk through Pet West, a pedestrian crossing built in 2016 that sits less than a mile west of the main port of entry, and be at Estación Federal within minutes. Wait, wait to cross Virginia at Camino de la Plaza. Wait. Miguel sees the location as the project's biggest selling point. We were attracted to it because of the proximity to the border, yeah, to, to Pet West mostly. And so if we go back four years from now, nobody really knew what was going to happen here. But, but somebody sent to me, knew, knew that I was looking for a property, and they sent me the master plan. They're like, hey, could, like take over, like look over the, the spaces and what's happening in this area. And I was like walking around and just uh, saw for lease or for sale. Or yeah. Miguel and his wife run two of the businesses in the building, a cafe, and in January, they opened a new cocktail bar called Cereus, where the tagline is... A neighborhood bar serving both sides of the border. When Miguel's development company first bought the broken-down building here in Colonia Federal a few years ago, he saw it as becoming the poster child for the future cross-border district he envisions. He's turned the building into an enclave for young, cross-border people like himself. Folks he calls cross-borderers. That's his word, not mine. Because Miguel wants to prove that a cross-border district could work and grow into a special place like no other in the world. Bringing the cultures together and, and just creating this new type of third world, third space, it, it just makes it something that, that you have to live to understand. So it's uh, the food, the art, the music, the whole region as, a, as an entire uh, space or universe. It just makes it something really wonderful that I don't think you get to see in, in a lot of places in the world. And when, when I'm here and I'm, and I'm in certain places, like, like here in Estación Federal, and, and I get to see so, much, so many diverse communities being in a single space, it just makes me feel that, that, that the future is, 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 is prominent and, and that there's, there's this type of lifestyle is going to be an it thing, I think. So, so that's, that's why I'm passionate about it. But I do see it. Uh, I do see that vibrancy more and more and, and people um, understanding it more and more. And so it's just growing, growing, growing. And it, it won't, I don't see it stopping. Uh, if, if Trump didn't stop it. <laughs> no one will. No one will, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> United Cross-Border States of America. <laughs> but what's it really like being so close to the border wall? Is it an environment that people really want to experience? Miguel says mostly it's easy to forget that the border fence is just a few hundred feet away. But lately, with the Central American migrant crisis in full swing, there have been a few tense moments. The only time I was sort of scared was when, was when, the, when, when, when the Honduran crisis happened. And there were, they were uh, tanks throwing blanks, uh, exploding blanks. Yeah, making the noise. And boom, boom, you, you heard them from here. And the windows, and the boom, they, they, they rattled, yeah. And so that's the end. You had a lot of helicopters coming, like, close. You even saw them in Mexican territory. Uh, so, 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 yeah, that's the only time I've, like, sort of 
got weirded out. But from that, uh, everything is mostly normal. There's, there's a lot of, as you hear, noise and, and, and movement and, and things happening, but uh, nothing bad. Nothing bad. Miguel's cross-border obsession is rooted in his upbringing. His dad grew up in the U.S. and his mom grew up in Mexicali and Tijuana, so the family spent time on both sides of the border. His own name is symbolic of that cross-border life. Miguel is Mexican and Marshall is American. Miguel's dad died young. That's part of why he's so focused on building a bigger cross-border culture. It's his way of keeping his dad's memory alive. Miguel often talks up the perks of being a cross-borderer to anyone who will listen. He says the obvious advantage, of course, is money. It's a lot less expensive to live in Tijuana, and if you work in San Diego, where you get paid in dollars instead of pesos, you get a lot more bang for your buck. He says it's also a lot less expensive to start a business in Mexico if you have American money behind it. But Miguel talks up the less obvious benefits, too. He says living a cross-border lifestyle opens your mind to new ideas, new life hacks, as he likes to call them. Plus, he says the lifestyle expands your personal network by essentially doubling your Rolodex. Of course, crossing the border can be stressful. There are thousands of students and professionals who cross it for school and work every single day. The lines are long and navigating the bureaucracy isn't fun. But being able to cross every few days or weeks, Miguel says that's the sweet spot. And he's picturing a future where urban and environmentally minded professionals can live a cross-border life without a car and the hassle of the driving line, instead taking advantage of the public transit opportunities clustered at the border. Miguel's plan, though, hasn't panned out exactly the way he thought it would. He's had to pivot. See, Miguel first pictured people renting the apartments in Estación Federal and using Pet West to walk to the trolley and bus stops at the border to get to their jobs in the U.S. He pictured young creatives filling the apartments, people who could work from home in Tijuana sometimes and easily cross into the U.S. to get to their offices when they need to. But that didn't happen. So instead, he turned most of the apartments into short-term vacation rentals through Airbnb. The pivot worked. The rentals are almost always filled by international visitors. Yeah, this is becoming more of a hospitality thing than, than, a, than, than, a, than a long-term place to stay. Oh, really? Yeah, right now we're, we're trying to... More luck with the Airbnb? Exactly, yeah. Because of the tourists and people that come for uh, medical tourism and, 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 and yeah, and, and some even uh, locals from Mexicali, Ensenada... Uh, all over the place. The commercial spaces have also proved to be harder to fill than Miguel anticipated. So far, he hasn't found a ton of entrepreneurs willing to open a business right next to the border wall. Miguel and his wife decided to step up and open the cafe themselves. They wanted to prove to people that the cross-border district concept works. Miguel did eventually get a businessman to buy into the idea of opening the binational bar at Estación Federal, but that deal fell apart. So he pivoted again, and he and his wife took that retail space over too. We lost like a year. I was all messed up. He didn't finish construction. 
it was pretty bad um, experience and, and and so in the retail side I've just been like uh, I, I want to do the anchors myself and then bring people uh, around like Ocopelli who is a, uh, a really well-known uh, taqueria and, uh, and Gianni's Pizza and just bring them uh, to the table and, and, and make the and make the space uh, a, a, a common area, yeah, and, and it, a place for people to come. Gianni of Gianni's Pizza, by the way, is Miguel's brother. So yeah, he's still working hard to sell local entrepreneurs outside of his family on his vision of this binational space. Despite the challenges, it seems to be working. People from both Tijuana and San Diego are showing up to Estación Federal. We've had always a mixture. It always has been or 50-50 or 60-40, uh, but it, was, it, has, it always have a big element of, of, uh, of people uh, from, from the U.S. Miguel's efforts to build a more robust binational culture at the border are getting international attention. He was recently featured in the New York Times, and he presented at an event for the World Economic Forum, the big-time international organization that extends invitations to some of the world's most lauded thought leaders. And Miguel's neighbors right here in Tijuana also seem to appreciate the work he's doing. But of course, anytime new development happens, concerns about gentrification or pricing people out come up. And those concerns are especially prevalent when you talk about building space in Tijuana with the express purpose of attracting people from San Diego. Catering to people who make way more money is one of the fastest ways to make real estate prices shoot up. But Miguel says he's made an effort to make sure his neighbors are on board with what he's doing. We decided to involve the community in our in our design, do some participatory design with the space, and so um, we we held a a, uh, a neighborhood meeting, uh, which is crazy for developers to do. Uh, we we held a, a meeting with them and told them, hey, so this is our idea, this is what we want to do, and. Uh, some twitches we did on the project. We, we had a, a, a laundromat, which was gonna be inside, and we shifted outside. And so it's, it's outside and serves people from, from the neighborhood and, and, our, and our also our, our tenants. So, so that was one, and, uh, and they were like, they wanted a coffee shop, and so that's how the idea came up. Despite his best efforts, there has been some backlash from a few artists who used to live in the building before Miguel took it over. See, Estación Federal has a long history of housing creative folks like famed Tijuana artist Marcos Ramirez R. Art students from UC San Diego used to run an experimental gallery and residency space in the building, and a curator at the Museum of Contemporary Art San Diego lived in a big apartment in the building for years. Even our own Only Here producer, Kinsey Moreland, lived in the building years ago. She paid just 250 bucks for an apartment there. And now that same space rents for 25 a night. That's 750 a month. Because of the building's history and comments from some of those artists, Miguel says he felt compelled to include a gallery in the building's new iteration. 
he also subsidizes an artist residency program by using money made from the short-term rentals. And my other theory is that in Mexico, gentrification takes a little bit more time to catch on because developers and development is not so organized like in the U.S. Uh, in the U.S., you get uh, uh, two or three blocks and they assemble everything, they get everybody together, you get the city together and they just, vroom, like it's a, they, they, they run over everybody. And over here, it's like me and for the past four years, nobody has done like a project similar to mine next to me. And I don't know if somebody's gonna do in the next 10 years, <laughs> I hope, but, uh, but it's not that, that fast. Right, right. So gentrification is different, at least in Tijuana. He's right, gentrification is slower here. But still, some neighbors worry that Miguel's project will, over time, price people out and change the character of this small neighborhood that sits in the shadow of the border fence. Artist Jim Platel told me his big concern when it comes to Estación Federal is how expensive the food, drinks, and rentals are. He says most people who live and work in Tijuana can't afford any of it. I think it's just pretentious, hmm. you know, as a place. Sure. I mean, I, I know people like to go to nice places and dress up, but um, some of the artist community that I know um, um, go there and it's, it's like, you know, the new place to be seen and all that kind of thing. And that's just not my thing. So, I mean, that would be my one criticism. It's not, it's, not all, it's not catering to the colonia as much as it is to other outsiders. But another neighbor, freelance photographer Carlos Moreno, says while he too worries about rising rents in Colonia Federal, he's happy that places like Estación Federal are putting Tijuana on the map for food, art, and culture rather than drugs and violence. He says he thinks people who may still be too timid to cross deeper into the city seem more willing to try Estación Federal since it's just steps away from the border crossing. Now it's like an actual real space for people to come in and like consume and spend their money, spend time and, you know, I guess have a small taste of the city, but not leaving far away from the border. Mm -hmm. There is so much opportunity here and so many things that I feel people still don't appreciate or know about the city, and I think it's a good thing that people are starting to look at the city uh, in a positive light. You know, besides all the migration and all the violence that you hear in the news, also there's all these great things happening in the city that have always happened, but I feel now they're being shown more. Estación Federal isn't Miguel's first foray into building a space meant to cater to a binational crowd. More on that when we come back. Stick around. KPBS On Demand is supported by the University of San Diego, offering professional and continuing education courses in the areas of business, education, healthcare, and engineering. For enrollment opportunities, visit pce.sandiego.edu. Miguel Marshall's first big effort to boost the binational culture in the border region came years ago. He and his partners got a lease on the iconic brick bus station building right on Avenida Revolución, the main thoroughfare in downtown Tijuana. They envisioned it as a place where tech companies in San Diego, the Bay Area, and other parts of California would lease space for the Tijuana programmers they'd hire. The past, 
present, and future of Revolución is a future episode in and of itself. We are working on it. But in short, this street has gone through a cultural resurgence in recent years. That resurgence is being led by Tijuanenses who are building bars and restaurants meant mostly for locals instead of tourists. Miguel and his partners were part of that movement back when it was first getting going. In 2014, they remodeled the big bus station building on Revolución into a vibrant co-working space with an on-site art gallery and other amenities. We wanted to transform the vision of uh, making a, uh, uh, a space which was oriented towards tourism and try to orient it towards creative and um, entrepreneurial work. And everybody had to sort of reinvent themselves in, during 2008, 2010. And, and we had to go like a place where, where the, the bad guys wouldn't go. And, and it was like those dive bars that sort of made it secure. After that, Tijuana just started to evolve. Caesar's restaurant opened. And then uh, we, saw, we thought, well, there's food, there's party, but there's no uh, workspaces. So, so let's bring an, an idea of a workspace. And, and, and so we know it's going to take time to catch on, but it really sparked a lot of people's uh, insight into what, what it could be, that street. Right now, Revolución is taking off. About a half dozen large developments are underway. But back then, Miguel was a little too early. The co-working space did attract tech clients from the U.S. like Uber, but it didn't last long. Yeah, it was a little too early, uh, and we knew. We knew that we were early, but we knew that if we weren't early, nothing was going to happen, so we needed to be early. The building the co-working space was in was bought and torn down not long after the project opened, so that dream died. Miguel has also played a role in a proposal for a new binational bike lane at the border that never came to be. And he was part of a project that turned federal land near the river by the border fence into an urban farm that employed hundreds of homeless migrants. That project collapsed when the federal government told them to get off the land. Those past projects were pretty idealistic, but he says they were as much about rebranding Tijuana and reclaiming its reputation as they were about actually succeeding. During the short lifespan of the co-working space, people did take notice. Yeah, we were featured in CNN uh, saying that it was a uh, Tijuana from Sin City to Tech Technology Hub. And that was for me like the whole reason we did it. And that happened two months before uh, we sold the, the contract. So, so it was like we, the, the effort accomplished like Exactly, which was on our top list. Building community and change perceptions. Miguel's development company is currently giving downtown Tijuana another go. They're working on a project called Nook Hotels on 6th and Constitución. It's a 17-room hotel with a bar, restaurant, tap room, and other retail space. Miguel says the cross-border district he imagines starts right at the border, but stretches all the way into downtown Tijuana, following the longtime route of tourists down Revolución and continuing on to the edge of the Cholos soccer stadium about five miles away from the border fence. (laughs) 
Just down the street from Miguel's downtown hotel is another newish project geared toward the binational crowd and this possible future cross-border district. It's a very design-centric collection of Airbnbs called One Bunk Tijuana. At least where we are today with One Bunk Tijuana, we believed in repurposing the old Hotel Lafayette into a, uh, a boutique hospitality or accommodation hotel brand that would be able to serve both sides of the border. We have the same brand in San Diego and Barrio Logan and also in Ocean Beach. And then we have this 14 rooms here in Tijuana and then we'll be building the One Bunk Valle. We'll start construction in like two months. That's Greg Strangman, a San Diego developer who's known for buying old buildings in neighborhoods mostly in and around downtown San Diego. His company uses art and design to build and rebrand the buildings as spaces tailor-made for younger, more urban-minded folks. One Bunk is his first project in Tijuana. But like he said, he's already working on opening another project in Valle de Guadalupe, the wine region just a short drive south of Tijuana. He and his wife and kids spend a lot of time on both sides of the border. He's building a house in Valle. He says he knows there's a growing market of cross-border people just like him. So he's building spaces for them to stay. Sitting inside the very colorful lobby at One Bunk in downtown Tijuana, Greg says learning the building rules and regulations in another country was far from easy. But he says it's been worth the trouble because Tijuana is filled with the exact type of buildings he likes to rehab old, affordable buildings with lots of quirky character. Specifically, Centro has a really large stock of those type buildings. Some are in better condition than others, but you know, there's some very notable and beautiful architecture down here. And there was some real opportunity for people to kind of take a look at maybe what should be kept and what should be repurposed and what could be maybe moved on to replaced with something, you know, in a, in a higher and better use. As a foreigner, it can be tricky to purchase buildings in Mexico outright. So for Greg's project, he secured a long-term master lease on the property instead. The hotel has been open for about two years now, but it hasn't been a raging success. Greg says slow and steady is probably a better way to describe it. You know, honestly, I feel like we probably entered the market a little early. Probably could have opened right about now and it would have been much better, but I mean, go time anything, go time the stock market or go time when you do this or do that, it's it's really hard to say. Do I, do I feel like tourism is on the upswing? Absolutely. I feel like, I think tourism for leisure is on the upswing. I think medical tourism is a big part of the economy down here. While it's not necessarily a big segment of our market, but it's a driver for the overall region. But I think people are fascinated with what's happening here. Tijuana's surging violence is, of course, something that is worrisome to a lot of would-be tourists. But Greg says he's coming across more and more folks who are deciding to try the city out anyway. He says most are surprised by what they find here. I do like taking people to my favorite places, and it's pretty mind-blowing when you take people because they just don't know what to expect. Maybe they're still expecting curio shops and just weird illicit activity. I don't know. I don't know what people expect, but they get so blown away when they're... It's like people... I, I think the one that always amazes me the most and people, it doesn't get enough credit for it. It's like the design here. It's like, it's really rich. There is a building boom happening in Tijuana right now. 
The city skyline has changed drastically in recent years as more large condo towers have been built. Tijuana, Mexico has continued its vertical climb in 2018. The city's been building up really in earnest about two years ago starting out. According to a series of reports by the San Diego Union-Tribune, 500 new condos opened last year, and hundreds more are scheduled to open this year. It's not yet clear how many of these condos will be bought up by Americans. The UT reports that lots of Mexicans from other parts of the country are swooping them up. And while there has been tension and grumbling about a few of these new big condo projects because of worries about gentrification and too much of an influx of retiring Americans with higher incomes than many Mexicans, Greg says he hasn't heard any complaints about his hotel project. He credits that acceptance in part because the project is small, but also because he's marketing the hotel by marketing the city of Tijuana alongside it. Each one-bunk room write-up on Airbnb lists the things to do and see in the city, and they also provide a bunk concierge on-site seven days a week to help guests find the best places to eat and visit. Greg says he built one bunk for people on both sides of the border, but he says he hopes the binational culture grows with the right kind of people who access Tijuana for the right reasons. I do think the housing crisis in San Diego, people talk about Tijuana being part of the solution. I think it can be part of the solution for the right people. But like I tell people, don't don't go live there just because you're going to save money. Go live there because you're going to save money and you also deem to think that you're going to get an equal, if not greater, quality of life. I mean, pretty darn cool down here. I mean, you live here, you know? That's what makes great cities is not building Disneyland for the American traveler or the foreign traveler, but building that great city for the people that live here. They have to be here all the time. That's kind of the gist of it, I think. Keep forging forward. It's exciting, very exciting times for Tijuana. Next time on the podcast, a two-part series about saving animals from the streets of Mexico. And then some days I think I just can't do this anymore. I'm, I'm not going to do this anymore. It's too hard. And then I just see one and I'm like, but who's going to help him? You know, I don't know. Believe me, we talk about it, animal rescue people. Like, are we insane? Because <laughs> it's really a hard life. Only here will you find a community of animal lovers who've dedicated their lives to saving dogs in Rosarito and Tijuana by finding them homes in San Diego. Only Here is a KPBS podcast hosted by me, Alan Lilietan. It was written and produced by Kinsey Moreland. Emily Jankowski is the director of sound design. Lisa Morissette is operations manager. And John Decker is the director of programming. I know I say this every time at the end of each show, but really, we need your support to keep these stories going. Become a member at kpbs.org today. Thank you.
KPBS On Demand is supported by the San Diego County Toyota dealers, whose commitment to customers extends to giving back to the community and who are proud to support the City of San Diego lifeguards with their important role of keeping our beaches safe. Toyota, let's go places.